0: Beautiful. Thank you. That's a great song. My goodness. And thank you so much, young people. Appreciate that. And workers, thank you so much. For... Was that Abigail on that other piano? It was. I didn't know who was on the other piano. Abigail step in here real quick. I was wondering who was on that second piano. You ladies did a great job on that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Boy, she's coming along, isn't she? That's tremendous. All right, Proverbs in chapter number four tonight. Proverbs chapter number four. And um, thank you so much, workers. Thank you all so much for your work with the kids. Proverbs in chapter number four tonight. Proverbs chapter number four tonight. And I want to linger on one subject tonight. And uh, so we're not going to make a lot of progress through the chapter, but there's some thoughts I want to share with you. Verse number seven, Proverbs chapter number four. In verse number 7, the Bible said wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now, last week we talked a bit about, uh, about wisdom and how to get wisdom. The Bible said that's the main thing, that's the principal thing, get wisdom. But the Bible says with that, don't forget about understanding. With all thy getting, get understanding. And so don't jump over top of understanding and try to go straight to wisdom because understanding is on the path to wisdom. To be wise, you have to have understanding first. And you need you need a, a couplet mentioned nine times in the Bible in the same verses, 27 mentions of these words, but it's in nine different verses. You'll find knowledge, wisdom, and understanding mentioned together. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight and that little phrase, with all thy getting, with everything you're doing to get wisdom, with all thy getting, get understanding. Don't skip over that. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let me communicate well with your help. And bless these that hear. May your spirit, Lord, speak to me and speak to each of us, even even as we read and study and, uh, and consider what your word says about this subject. In Jesus' name amen now I want you to go with me to the first uh, to the first mention of uh, this uh, trio of words to Exodus chapter number 31 Exodus in chapter number 31 sometimes when we talk about spiritual concepts I think we make the mistake of thinking that those are for people who do spiritual work you know that's for preachers and evangelists and missionaries and teachers and Deacons and, well, deacons aren't spiritual, but anyway, other spiritual people. Uh, but, but I want you to see this. The first place you find mentioned in the Bible where those three words are together in the same verse. And the Lord spake, uh, Exodus 31, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, uh, anybody remember uh, the battle where Moses held his hands up? Remember that, and and his, his hands got weak, right? And who held his hands up? Aaron and her. This is the grandfather of Bezalel. All right, so this is her grandson. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge. And in all manner of workmanship. What kind of work? To devise cunning works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass. And in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I've given with him a holy of his right hand, if you will. Uh, go over to chapter, uh, 35, chapter 35, and, uh, And verse number 30, And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel. So he had a call on his life. The son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in knowledge, excuse me, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. And he goes on again to describe his talents and how to be used God put this man Bezalel in charge of the intricate work that was required to, to produce the tabernacle and the furniture of the tabernacle and the embroidery, the priestly garments, and overseeing, uh, he had to be a silversmith, a goldsmith. Uh, he had to be able to cut gemstones. And you remember, these folks have been a slave for, for hundreds of years. They, 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 there wasn't a lot of skilled people among them. They had just come out of slavery not too many years ago. God gifted this man and put his spirit in this man to do this work that God had given him and so I, I want to say this that, uh, that that wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that's not just for preachers, that's for uh carpenters, that's for electricians, that's for plumbers, that's for caretakers, that's for deputies. We all need this. Amen? We all need this. And oh, how it enhance our lives and enhance our relationships. I'm going to dwell tonight on the subject of understanding. I don't you think for just a moment. If you have knowledge and wisdom, but you lack understanding, you won't excel. Okay? Let me give you an example. Let's suppose you are the best at your craft. You know your craft. You're good at your craft. But you don't understand bookkeeping. Or you don't understand your customer base. Or you don't understand how to get along with people. <laughs> how many of you have ever been to a restaurant I had tremendous food and lousy service? And they don't last. You remember how excited... I hate to do it. I bet, should I do that? I don't know if I should do that or not. I won't use a restaurant name eh? because that's not, that's not fair. Anyway... Y'all remember when <clears throat> came to town, and we were all excited, and they weren't ready, were they? They weren't ready. We finally get we get another restaurant, and you know, and, uh, and so, but they, they and then and then you remember when <clears throat> came to town, we were all excited about that, and it fell flat too. And uh, I waited in line one time in the drive-through that special thing that you eat with coffee. And uh, anyway, and that was it. I haven't me back. So, and I'm going to tell you if you'd like to go there or whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to... <laughs> my, my point is this. If you don't... Under, you, you might have knowledge. You might be the best. Your, but you need all... We need all three. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Now, let me just give you in short here. Uh, this is not new to you. You probably have heard me say this. But... Uh, knowledge is uh, acquisition of truth, okay? Uh, I learned some things. And by the way, by the way, listen, you, you ought to hunger and thirst for truth, the Bible said. You ought to hunger and thirst for truth. Uh, uh, enough of that. Listen, you, you ought to be mature enough to enjoy truth, whether it's coming from somebody who's dynamic in their presentation or somebody who's monotone in You ought to have a love for truth. Uh, listen. Uh, I said this to the guys uh, just a few minutes ago. I prepared some things for some of the young men head off to college. Who cares if a class is boring? Truth isn't boring. You have to be entertained to get truth. Somebody has to dance around and, and voice inflection and hand motions. Look, you ought to love the truth. Okay, I can say this with great respect. The man that stood in this pulpit last night is one of the most monotone teachers I've ever sat under in my life. I love him; he's my dear personal friend. But I hang on every word he says because he has substance. He's a phenomenal teacher. I've ne- I've never seen him use gestures much or whatever. Now let me you, let me say you 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 you're not going to get. You're not going to get anything out of class. And I'm not just talking to you, you, you kids going off to college. I'm talking about, I'm talking about school. I'm talking about school. Now teachers, we ought to work. I ask God when I'm praying for wisdom, I pray specifically about delivery and so forth. There's things I pray about because I want the message to get across. But, but, but there ought to be a hunger for us and a truth. We ought to, we ought to want to know some things. Amen. We ought to want to know some things. I don't know if people say, I don't like to read. What's wrong with you? God's a writer. God's a writer. He wrote a book. Who do you mean you don't like to read? God, God likes it. He wrote a book. Amen. Now, it's, it's, it might be like broccoli. You need to learn to like it. Amen. You need to learn to like it. you pray for me. There's a few things I haven't learned to like yet, but... I like that broccoli now, especially when it's baptized in crumpled up Ritz crackers and cheese. Amen. And I can, anyway, that much cheese and, 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 and Ritz crackers and that much broccoli. Anyway, but, but, but we ought to hunger. We ought to want to know some things. Knowledge is, is accumulating facts, all right? It's acquisition of a truth. Understanding is a comprehension of a truth. Wisdom is the application of that truth. So you might know something and you might know what needs to be done, but you don't know how to do it, how to get it done. You understand? Wisdom is the application and and ultimately we seek wisdom, but you can't jump over knowledge and understanding to get to wisdom. Those three are coupled together in the scriptures. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Uh, Many, many times, you could ask our staff and uh, and they'll, say, they'll come up with that idea. they say, Pastor, what about this? I said, who's done it? What do you mean, who's done it? Can I tell you something? If you came up with an idea, there's about a thousand percent chance you're not the first person to come up with it. <laughs> so I want to know, first thing I want to know, who's done it, who's done it successfully? Who can we talk to that's done it? I would much rather learn from someone else's mistakes than have to go through all those mistakes myself. And so, uh, so uh, uh, knowledge, comprehension uh, is acquisition. Understanding is comprehension. Wisdom is application. All right, let's let's uh, use that little formula when it comes to a problem. I know what the problem is. I know what needs to be done. I know how to get it done. Knowledge is I know what the problem is. Understanding is I know what needs to be done. You ever, I've been there before. I, I knew we had a problem, and I and I understood what needed to be done. I just know how to get it done. <laughs> Wisdom is being able to make application of the truth. Now, follow me on this part. Knowledge, biblical knowledge, let's talk about biblical knowledge, should be followed by action. Well, you know what? Actually, let me let me, let me take that limitation off. Knowledge should be followed by action. Uh, One of the things Dr. Vogel says to us as often is, the one who's doing is the one who's learning. The one who's doing is the one who's learning. And that's why he teaches me, he teaches on parenting and stuff, don't do anything for your kids they can do for themselves. Why? Because you already know how to do it. (laughs) They they need to learn to do it. They ought to be doing it. The one who's doing the doing, (laughs) I'm not sure if that's good English, but the one who's doing the doing is doing the learning. Right? So let me let me show you this in the Bible. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter number eight. Luke chapter number eight. A lot of people don't, don't they don't ever get to understanding because they want to wait till they understand everything before they do anything. And I'm going to show you why that's not biblical. Ma, uh, Luke chapter number eight. We're, we're uh, going to be in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. So we're going to be in those two passages briefly. I'm going to show you this one thing. <clears throat> Matthew 13 and Luke 8. We're going to start in Luke 8. And this is the parable of the sower. And the first seed goes on uh, the uh, goes to the wayside. Okay? He, and he, he gives the parable. The sower went forth to so, sow, went to the wayside, went to the thorny ground, etc., etc. So now he's given an explanation. This is the seed that went to the wayside. We are in verse number 11. Luke eight eleven. Watch me, stay with me, watch your Bible, stay with me. Now the parable is this, this is the explanation. The seed was thrown by the wayside. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. Now let me put this in chronological order for you. The little phrase there in verse 12, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of the hearts. Okay, so the word had already reached the hearts, right? You can't take it out of the heart unless it's already reached the heart. So I'm going to put this in chronological order. The first thing that happens in verse 11, the seed is the word of God. So the word of God was given. That's the first thing that happened. The second thing that's happened, verse number 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. The word was heard. Okay, so the number one, the word was spoken. Number two, the word was heard. Number three is at the end of verse number 12, next to the word hearts. Okay, he's going to reach in and take the word out of their heart. So it got to the heart. So the word was spoken, the word was heard, and it touched somebody's heart. You with me so far? What happened next is then number four, then the devil showed up, then cometh the devil, and then number five he snatched the word out so here's the his chronologically what happened. the word was spoken, the word was heard, the word touched the heart, it reached the heart a person was moved. you understand that they were moved. It's funny sometime um. It's a great vantage point from up here, isn't it? It's a great vantage point. And, and you know, you can see a lot of times, especially, you know, maybe like on a Sunday, perhaps, maybe more so than on Wednesday, but people that are like, this is the first time they've heard anything like this in their life. You can start, you can start, just like, it's like, what? He just said that? Or whatever, you know? And, and, and oftentimes are moved. But here's what I have to, As soon as our hearts are touched by the spoken word of God, the devil shows up. What's he want to do? Snatch it out of their hearts. I promise you this. You come to church, you hear something, you get convicted, and before you get to your car, the devil's saying, you know, not everybody believes that way. I mean, there's some good people. They don't believe that way. I mean, you, you never heard that anywhere else before. Right? Right? What's he doing? Try to snatch that away. Snatch that away. Now, go to Matthew 13 with me. I want to show you something. Matthew 13. This is the same parable, same explanation. It's two different things. uh, There's a little shade of light shed, a little light shed in Matthew's account, and you put the two together. It's it's tremendous. Verse 18, Matthew 13, 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Here's the explanation. When anyone heareth the word, Of the kingdom. Look at the next phrase and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth or snatcheth away that which was sown in the heart. Okay, so how does the devil get by with snatching that truth away? There's a lack of understanding. Okay? Wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Where does understanding come from? Understanding did you get that? You get Luke 8. Here's the here's here's Luke 8. The word spoken, the word is heard, it reaches the heart. Then the next thing in Luke is then cometh the devil. But Matthew says there's something between there. The word is spoken, the word is heard, it reaches the heart. But interject Matthew 13. There's no understanding. Then cometh the devil. It reaches the heart, but there's no understanding. Then cometh the devil and snatches away. Okay, so what brings understanding? Action brings understanding. Do you know to grow in the Christian life, you've got to do some things you don't understand? If you... He said, well, well, if you wait... Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking about man's opinion. I'm talking about a biblically sound truth with Scripture is given and it's the Word of God and you're like, whoa, I never heard that before in my life. What in the world? What you do next will determine whether or not you grow to wisdom. Because knowledge, when knowledge is given, when truth is given, you, truth demands response. When God the Holy Spirit accompanies the truth and your heart is touched, you say, I have never heard that in my life. I don't understand that. That's not question, is not whether or not you understand it. The question is, is it via the authority of God's word? That's all you got to answer. Is it biblical? Now once you get there and it's biblical, then you got a choice said, well, I, I, you know what? I'm, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, you with me? So, what does it mean? It means. Listen, you you don't you don't grow the Christian life because you got it figured out. And then you oh, okay, I got this figured out. I'll take that step. No, no, no. The Bible says we don't walk by sight. We walk by what faith. faith. We take God at His Word, even though we don't understand it. We take Him at His Word and we take action. If it's biblical, we respond by faith and do what He said is in the Word. (laughs) And if you don't, your heart's left vulnerable and the devil comes He's a professional at it. He's been doing it a long time. He snatched the truth out of your heart. So, Knowledge. Understanding. By the way, that's why you ought to trust people who have understanding you don't have. Can I tell you something? You don't really understand till you've done something. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Listen, uh, we were so blessed to be able to do so, but we, we, before we moved to the house we were in, we were able to remodel for a few months, and I had some good people come over and help me. And uh, Brother Jerry came over and helped me hung, taught me how to hang lights and a bunch of men uh, Rick came over and helped me flooring and just a lot of guys It was such a blessing. But I did things i'd never done before. I learned to do a few things i can 't remember how to do it now because that was seven years ago, but anyway, I did back then but anyway uh, th- th- there uh, I almost lost my i don't, i don 't believe you could lose your salvation, but I almost lost my salvation on a three way switch. I just about did I just about did. And and I I finally had to have help. And uh, anyway, but, you know, you don't know until you try. If somebody does something that looks easy, that's because they understand what it takes. If they make it look easy, it's not easy. (laughs) You don't really understand. You know, so... uh, before you give too strong opinions about marriage, just wait till you get married first. Then, then don't, don't write anything about it to, to after you've done it. To fully understand, you have to have good information. You got to have good information, be able to trust your information. But if it's good information, act on it, act on it. Uh, you need good information to, 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 to understand. It's like they got to stand by, as a pastor was visiting, one of his members was dying and, and, and he went in to visit him and he literally is in his last moments. And, and uh, and uh, and the guy was trying to talk. He had an oxygen mask on. He was trying to say something. saying pastor couldn't, couldn't understand what is it? What is it? I thought, man, this is a big deal. And so finally, he motioned like that. And all he wants to write everything. gave him a piece of paper and he wrote something. And as soon as he wrote it, he expired. And he thought, man, Lord, this, I'm not going to save this. This is whatever this is. It's so important. And he took it to the funeral. He said, his last words were, Pastor, you're standing on my oxygen line. And, um <clears throat> yeah. You need good, you need good information. <laughs> okay. All right. You need, you have understanding. You need good information. Look, don't get your information on marriage from Oprah. You hear me? Find somebody who knows how to build a good marriage and get your information from them. Amen. And then you grow in understanding. Uh, the Bible said this, um, A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So understanding comes first. Knowledge, understanding, then you attain unto wise counsels. Uh, We we need understanding. Look, look, (laughs) this is one of the big things I want to say tonight. We're in the information age and you get information at light speed, but we are guilty of jumping to conclusions from hearsay or what we read. Do you understand that if something makes news, it makes the front page, and the correction is on page 14F in six font in the bottom corner, buried. You understand that? We often are too quick to jump to conclusions. Hearsay, which the Bible calls tailbearing, destroys relationships. It destroys people's reputations. If you you've got to learn to say, you know, I really, I don't, I don't think I need to hear this. I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm the one. I, if you don't do that, people are going to get hurt. The Bible says the tailbearer, not the, not the person, not the accuser it's not the scorner it's the tail bearer it doesn't take long for people to figure out a scorner but it's when somebody repeats it that gives the scorn credibility so you repeat something and you don't look the tail bearer separated the chief friends very friends close friends in other words Lydia was 21 years old, and she was a phenomenal... She had just graduated from college, uh, a music major in college. She was a cellist. And uh, she uh, was... There was one position open for a beginner cello class in a very prestigious music school in the Jewish sector of New York City. And truth is, she was... Felt overqualified for the for the position because it was beginner. She would be teaching beginners, but there was twenty seven applicants. She was the youngest of the twenty seven, but she wanted that job because there was a world premier cellist who frequented that school and would come as a guest teacher, and it would give her an opportunity to meet him. And he was a part of a world renowned orchestra and that was like impossible to get into, and it was her dream to get into that orchestra, and she said, he comes to the school, and I'll get to meet him, and he'll get to know me, and maybe I'll get a chance, and that would be my dream. So she took the job. And orientation for the teachers, she's uh, teaching brand new um, beginners. She was given, uh, all the teachers were given instructions. The first two weeks of the year, this is exactly what you do, this is exactly what you teach. This is exactly what you do, and laid out very specifically what they were to do. Well, she took it home and she looked at it. She said, "This is, this is not substantive. This is," and she was right. She said that she her her her, um, her um, uh, perception was correct in that it was meant to just make progress quickly what seemed like progress quickly you know like oh wow, you've only been taking two weeks and you can already do that. Well she knew that she looked at that she said this I don't, I'm not trying to impress people I want to build great musicians. So she disregarded it and she did she her first two weeks in class she she disregarded the the what the very specific instructions that she was given. This is how you start. This is the first two weeks. This is exactly what you do. And so after two weeks, she got called in. And the administrator who had been there for years said, um, I, 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 I got a report that you did not follow the instructions that you were given these first two weeks of class. Is that correct? And she said, well, yes. She's, but I looked at the curriculum and it is this is not the way you build musicians. And I'm not interested in just making a show. I want to build great musicians. And so, yes, that's what I did. And uh, he was kind of looking at the papers, looking at the desk. He said, and that's your final answer? Yes. He said, okay. I'll accept your resignation letter by the end of the day. And... Hopefully, you can find yourself another position. And wherever you go, I hope you'll learn to take instructions. Well, she was stunned. She stood there speechless. And about half a minute went by, and he looked at her and said, You're dismissed. I mean, just... Now, what she didn't know <clears throat> which the administrator did know, was that this school's prestige and uh, 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 name and ability to put uh, uh, produce great musicians was based on the fact that people put their kids in the school and kept them there and... He knew that if they did not see some kind of immediate result, they wouldn't keep them there. He knew exactly what the curriculum was meant to do. It was meant to do exactly what she perceived that it was meant to do. And was it a good plan long-term? No. But was it necessary for the success of the school and ultimately the success of the students? Yes. But this she did not understand. So what did she do? She disregarded good counsel, good advice, because she did not understand. And she made her decisions without understanding, and it cost her her job. Bad part about it, she just gone online and said, oh, I got this great job. I was the youngest of 27 applicants, and I got the job, and it was a good-paying job, and now she's stuck, and she's got an apartment in New York City, and she don't have a job. Now, just because you have some knowledge doesn't mean you have understanding. Until you've done something, listen very carefully, until you've done something, you ought to trust people who have been there and done it. Even if it doesn't make sense to you from your vantage point. Now, let me give you, here we go, let me give you some statements. You got your pen out? I'll get you to write these things down. Let's talk about understanding and relationships. Understanding relationships. Here's our text, verse number 7. <clears throat> wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. With all thy getting, get understanding. Number one, understanding is my responsibility. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I want to apply this to relationships, all right? Understanding is my responsibility. So I just can't understand him. I just can't understand her. All right, well, get with him. Do your job. That What that says is, I don't understand them and I don't want to understand them or I don't want to put forth the effort to understand them. You understand that? There's more to that statement than just what's on the surface. I just can't understand so-and-so. Well, the Bible says, get understanding. That means it's my responsibility to do so. Does that make sense to everybody? So I'm commanded. It's like I'm commanded to get wisdom. I'm commanded to be filled with the Spirit. That's responsibility on me, number one. Number two, number two, listen with your heart. Listen with your heart. We're talking about understanding and relationships. Listen with your heart. You're familiar Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine what? Heart. Faith happens in the heart. Believe with thine heart. Well, guess what? Understanding also happens in the heart. Listen to Hebrews 11. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Listen to Acts 28, 27. For the heart of the people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and, listen to it, understand with their heart. Now I'm talking about more than just empathy, but I am talking about empathy. Understand. Listen, you, you, you can talk to you blue in the face, but if you don't listen with your heart, you're not going to come to understand. Because understanding happens in the heart. Understanding doesn't just happen in the head. So maybe you say, I don't know why we have to do it that way. It might be because your boss knows something about excellency and maybe he knows something about what's going to happen seven years down the road and maybe it doesn't seem necessary to you, but maybe it will be about seven years from now when that thing breaks. So listen and understand he cares about doing something well and just because you don't understand what needs to be done and it seems cumbersome, take it to heart. Listen with your heart. Same is true when you're trying to understand a person in relationships. What are you going through? Listen with your heart. Number three, respect the one you seek to understand. Respect the one you seek to understand. Write down Genesis 1, uh, 26. Genesis 1, 26. Double check. Make sure I give you the right reference here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and God said, let us make man in our image. And verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. Listen, if you want to understand somebody, listen with your heart and respect them. Now, wait a minute. You say, I have no respect for that person. Okay. I don't know who the person is, what they've done, whoever they are, three things. Number one, God created them. Number two, they are God's image. You understand that? You and I and every one of us was made in the image of God. Number one, God created us. Number two, we are God's image. And number three, we are the object of God's love. Now, if you really want to understand somebody, you're going to have to open your heart to and I don't care what that person has done to hurt you or hurt someone else. I, you have to see that you have to res, If you're going to understand them, you have to respect them. You have to see them as God's creation made in God's image as somebody that God loves. Uh, turn to First Samuel 25. First Samuel 25. Let me give you an example of this. The story is of Abigail, who we know as a peacemaker. David, of course, has um, been on the run for a long time, and uh, in his uh, wanderings, if you will, uh, he came in close contact with a man named Nabal and his, uh, his uh, estate and his servants and so forth, and David uh, provided security for his servants, And uh, he thought it equitable that because he and his men had provided services for Nabal and his servants, they had a lot of uh, cattle and flocks and so forth like that. And he thought it equitable to request of Nabal that uh, food provisions be given to his men who had provided security for Nabal and his business enterprises. Well, Nabal thumbed his nose at David. And Nabal... So, I don't care what. I don't care. Who, who's David think he is? I don't care what they've done for us. They ain't getting nothing from me. Well, David says that's not right. I mean, you, you understand. They, they, can you imagine this? You had a business and you had 600 employees, plus their wives, plus their children. David had 600 mighty men, plus their wives, plus their children. He's responsible for these people. He's got to make sure they get fed. You understand? And he's on the run. <laughs> so, I mean, this wasn't just like, oh, you know, David's not. He's talking about the livelihood of his men. David took this personally. He said, no, 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 we we did right by you, now you do right by us. And Nabal thumbs his nose at David, and David's furious. And David is going to have a head-on collision with Nabal. But on his way, he meets somebody. 1 Samuel 25 and um, verse 21. Now David had said, surely in vain have I kept all, this, all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, kept guarded, kept all that this fellow Nabal hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited, repaid me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. David is furious. He is ready to go in there and wipe these men out. Verse number 23. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass. Look at four things. Number one, Before David, on her face, and uh, mark this, bowed herself to the ground. What'd she do? She humbled herself. She humbled herself. Verse 24, and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. Now notice, second of all, how she addressed him, my Lord. So number one, she humbled herself. Number two, she addressed him with respect. Now, the Bible says that God, James 4, 6, God resisted the proud. And you know what? So does most everyone else. God pushes it back against cockiness. And most everybody else does too. You don't like it you push back against it. Only by pride cometh contention. There is a war coming. David is furious and he's getting ready to go clean Nabal's clock. (laughs) And along comes a peacemaker. And she humbles herself, bows down, falls at his feet. She addresses him with respect. Number three, look at this phrase in verse 24 we just read. She says, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. Number three, she acknowledged his grievance. She comes. David's mad. He's furious. He's got his men. He is getting ready to uh, take vengeance. And along the way comes Abigail, and she falls down in front of him at his feet. She bows down. She addresses him with respect. She didn't say, Who do you think you are coming here and going to kill my husband? You ain't going to kill my husband. You got to kill over my dead body. She didn't do that. She didn't do that. She bowed herself, humbled herself. She showed respect, and she acknowledged his grievance. Here's what she said, Sir, you've been done wrong. And I want to take responsibility for making it right. David's men were hungry. You know what she brought with her? A bunch of food. You go back and read those verses before, she was loaded. I mean a care package to end all care packages. She and, you know, those men, you know, they're mad, you know, getting ready to fight. I guarantee it some of them guys were looking at the food. Wow. And And uh, here's what she did. Verse 25, Let not, not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as that she empathized with him. She said, he, "He is a rat. He's a rascal. I know. I'm married to him. For as his name is, so is he. And Nabal means churlish. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my lord whom thou didst send. I didn't realize what you were doing for us." Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as an able. And now this blessing, which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord. Number four, she showed kindness. She showed kindness. If you want to understand, I'm back to our outline now, respect the one you, you seek to understand. Number four, two more statements. Number four, realize that understanding and agreement are not synonymous. Realize that understanding and agreement are not synonymous. That's not the same thing. When you seek to understand a person, that does not necessarily mean that you're going to agree with them 100%. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, Uh, let me illustrate. Love and trust are not synonymous you, you can love someone but not trust them you understand that uh, I remember some years ago reading about this guy spent all his time in the woods with bears Forget forgot where he was uh, he loved bears and he knew a lot about bears and he'd go around bears and he was the bear whisperer uh, but he didn't live a long time because one of them bears got hungry he said, "I'm gonna have me a pet. I'm gonna have me a pet line too, but I'm gonna wait till the millennium. Amen. When the lamb lies down with the wolf and all that stuff. But some people say, you you you'd love a wild animal, but you ought not trust that wild animal. You with me? In the same regard, you can you can uh, come to understand someone without agreeing with them. Now here's what here's what happens. Because we have a disagreement, we don't seek to understand. We just dig in." And we're proud and bullheaded. And we don't want to budge because we disagree. And we don't realize. Listen, you can't bypass understanding and, and get the wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Amen? If you could, you may completely disagree with someone, but if you could come to understand them, you might then find the wisdom to help them. You understand? As long as we are primarily seeking to be understood, we will likely not understand. Do you hear what I said? As long as we are primarily seeking to be understood, we will likely not understand. We ought to seek first to understand and then to be understood. A lot of people, we're having this conversation. And sadly, when we're having our conversation, we're thinking about what we're going to say next instead of actually listening to the person we're talking to. (laughs) We're forming our arguments instead of actually listening with our heart. You may not agree. That's okay. But could we listen long enough with our heart to come to understand a person, where they're coming from, what they're thinking, and from there we might be able to move to wisdom and know how to help them. Number five, lastly. I said, number one, understanding is my responsibility. Listen with your heart. Respect the one you seek to understand. Realize that understanding and agreement are not synonymous. Number five, never lose sight of the grace of God in your own life. Never lose sight of the grace of God in your own life. Amen. I love that verse they just quoted, Colossians 3.16, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love to hear kids sing. I love that kids. That touched my heart. I love to hear kids sing with grace in their hearts to the Lord. You know, uh, you know where our kids learn to sing when I say our kids? Back in the day, TBA, Trinity Baptist Academy. What was her name? Used to do the music there. Miss Johnson. Johnson. Miss Johnson could get kids to sing. And she got our kids singing. And and uh, God's hand is on that church and that ministry. But those kids are saying, and our kids would learn just to sing, just unreservedly sing. Now, what makes singing powerful? What may is uh, should it be loud singing? Or should it be trained voices? Should it? Should it have a southern drawl, or should it have a northern sound to it? Neither. Neither. What it ought to have is grace in the heart while you sing. What is grace in the heart? Grace is undeserved favor. It means when you sing, it, you might have a trained voice. If you got a trained voice, but you don't have a heart full of grace, then it's a lot of people. It's going to not sound much more than like fingernails on a chalkboard. And my favorite is not "Jesus loves me." That's not my favorite. But you know what? You give me somebody who's spirit filled whose heart's just bursting with the goodness of God's been so good to me. And it's in their tone, it's in their demeanor, it's in their spirit. They're filled up with the grace of God. I can enjoy a wide range of sounds when it's an outpouring of God's goodness and grace. Anybody with me? That's what I like. You want to be understanding? Don't ever lose sight of the grace of God in your own life. I mean, if you can say, Pastor, God's been better to me than I deserve. Okay. When you talk to people, and you work with people, you remember that. Now, why do we need this? Because we make judgment calls based on our understanding. We make decisions based on our understanding and premature Judgments destroy reputations, destroy relationships, destroy marriages. We make premature judgments. We lack understanding and we make judgment calls. That's what Eli did with Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, verse number 13. He said, what are you doing here drinking? She said, I'm not drunk. I want a son. He said, oh, I'm sorry. God said, "I'm gonna give her that son." He said, "God's gonna give her that son." I love that story. I went back and read it again. Stephen Covey wrote it, uh, and he got he <clears throat> was traveling on a subway in New York City. Got on the subway that morning, packed out subway people on their way to work, and they stopped at a stop, and a man and several kids got on. Busy subway, it was early, early in the morning. Most people quiet, reading a newspaper, drinking cup coffee, you know. And this man got on the subway, and his kids are rambunctious, and they're jumping around. The man sat right next, down to him, and immediately just slumped his head over and closed his eyes. Well, in the meantime, the kids are just like wild banshees, hitting people's newspapers, bumping into people, running up and down the aisle. And Mr. Covey just sat there like, these kids are irritating everybody on this train. And he bit his tongue, bit his tongue, bit his tongue, I'm fine, he says, Uh, Excuse me, sir, you you think maybe you could do a little bit more to control your kids? And the man opened his eyes and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. He said, I I guess they don't know what to do. Their mom just died an hour ago, and we just left the hospital. We're headed home, and I guess I was just not sure myself what to do. And Mr. Covey said, Oh, sir, I'm so sorry. How can I help you? You know, a little understanding goes a long way, doesn't it? It's so easy to make judgment calls about people. We don't understand anything about their life. He's this, he's that, she's this, she's that. How do you know? Have you listened to them with your heart? Have you talked to them? Well, I heard. Mm -hmm. Yep, there goes someone else's reputation. Reputation. We need knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Father, bless now these thoughts for the hearts of your people. Make us hungry.